0: Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. It's a great worship, don't you think? Amen. Ten of you do. The rest of you are not sure, I suppose. The joy of being able to be in church, it's not just about you. It's about your worship, expressing your love to Jesus Christ. It inspires other people. When a crowd like this get together in one mind, one spirit, and one accord, something moves in the heavenly. Somebody is going to get healed, someone is going to get convicted, someone is going to feel the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit. It might happen here, it might happen after church, it might happen tonight, but let me just tell you something, friend, something has got to happen, amen? I want to talk about a few moments about family priorities. Uh, Twenty-twenty, that's important, that is a clear focus, that's about the best eyesight that you can get is twenty-twenty as we talk about family and those things that really, really are important for a few moments. A little girl cried out, Mommy, do you remember the vase in your china cabinet that you told me had been handed down for generation after generation? She said, Yes, darling, I do. I know the very vase that you're talking about. What about it, darling? Well, Mommy, I want you to know, but this generation just dropped it. And it broke all to pieces. Well, boy, sentimental value to have that vase or vase broken was an unbelievable experience for that mother, great-great-grandmother, great-grandmother, grandmother, et cetera, right on down. But what would you think about the heart of God when he sees how the culture in which we live today squander the privilege of family. What do you think it means that a culture today that would almost turn their back against God, walk away from God, and not allow God to be number one in the heartbeat of every single family? You say define family. It's a lot of different workups, this thing we call family. There's the nuclear family. There's the blended family. There's, of course, his, hers, and ours, families, etc. Or maybe there's just the single family. No matter how many, no matter what the makeup, it's all still a family. And with every gift that you are given, and we believe that family is one of those, we have a responsibility to honor God with that gift that we are given. Listen, families, my friend, if a family is tracking right, then the nation will track right. If families get off kilter, a nation will get off kilter. If family lose the intensity of what it means to put God first and let him be a priority, it will not be long, and you'll see that manifested in a nation as we do today. Moses said, I want to give it to you right up front, Old Testament, going back there to the day of Moses, he said, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes, his commandments, which I commanded you and your sons and grandsons all the days of your life. Moses said, it's not just for this generation, it's for the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. And Moses said, in order for it to carry through in purity from the beginning generation, there are some things that you have to do. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you'll talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. He said, you're going to write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, Moses is saying, let me tell you what is important to God the family priority of knowing God, loving God, understanding the Ten Commandments, understanding that what it means to have the priority that God is the head of, in fact, this family. For that to happen, he said, you're going to have to have a program. You teach it to your children, to your grandchildren, to your great-grandchildren, meaning in every generation after that, and you be sure the message remains (coughs) the same. It's time that we take a look basically at the priorities of our families today, what's your family known as? And if you were to ask your children or your great-grandchildren and have them answer, is God the priority in your family? What would they say? Is there a 2020 clear focus that we believe as family That would be important. Number one, if a person's priority is going to be measured, it's going to be measured, number one, this is Larry Dobbs, by passion. By passion. That which you have passion for, you're going to precipitate over and over and over. And you'll have to learn to fuel that passion. So if God and family is important, you'll keep passionate about it. Here's something else. You can't have the end product without time. It takes time for you to commit to the family to be sure God is first. It's going to take time for those devotions, time for those prayer moments, time to read those Bible stories, time that you enjoy illustrating what it means to be a Christian family. And then finally, it's going to take sacrifice Because the culture in which we live today will squeeze you from every side to try to get you off the mark of your passion and priority to allow God to be first. But you're going to have to understand, no, there are some things we're going to have to say no to. There are some things that we're going to say, as for me and my family, we don't engage in that. There are some things you're going to have to say, no, you're not going to squeeze in on our God time together. It's a great big old no. You will have to sacrifice some of the things that culture will serve you up. Well, do you believe that our culture encourages faithfulness to God? Or can you believe that you and I who are followers of Jesus Christ can live in this culture and be counter-cultural? that we know that the majority of the culture goes one way and you and I are swimming upstream? Or what are those things that we can identify which cause us often to be frustrated as a family? I can tell you the number one reason is when you have a divided focus, a divided uh, priority, when part of the family is pulling one way, Part of the family's pulling another because we're not in agreement to the priority of who God is in our family. You're going to have a frustrated family. Everybody in the family is going to be frustrated. If you talk one way and you live another inside the walls of that house, you will have confused and frustrated children. If in fact you fail to live up to that which you sell in the public and it does not honor God, I'm telling you, you'll have fragmented family who will not understand what it means to be totally grounded in the power and in the love of Jesus Christ. Have you ever noticed that a lot of people who are your friends that may not be Christians, and you know you talk about being happy. I mean often if you're really doing it right and you're living for Jesus and and you're following through and you're having your devotions and you're in church uh, and uh, you say, we're, we're doing the right things. I mean, we're spending time in the Word of God. And then you've got friends who, you know, they're not, they're not engaged in anything. They're not in church. They're not, they're doing all the things that sometimes you're tempted to say, well, I'll tell you what, if I had a boat like they have, I could be out every single weekend. Anyway, don't let that boat become your idol. Did you know that most of the people that have all the things that you think you're missing out on, do you know that they are not happy? That's right. How many of the friends that you work with that are, hey, they're in culture, they're not happy in their home, not happy in their marriage, not happy with what's going on in their community. They're just plain oh, not happy. You know the only thing that makes a person really happy is to have a rightful, vertical relationship with Jesus Christ. And we say, God, all is well with you. The Peripheria stuff, I can do without. But one thing I'm not going to miss, and that's my focus with you. I watched a clip on City Slickers. I I watched uh, the majority of that movie. It's Billy Crystal plays in that movie, of course. He he and some of his buddies, I, I think there are three, they're just bored. They're fed up. They're not happy with their life. They're not happy with their family. Some of them are not happy with their marriage. They're they're just not happy. And yet, they all have pretty good positions. All of them make money, of course. But then there's that process they go through. And they think, I'm just not happy. And that group, of course, in that movie said, we're going to get out and we're going to spread our wings and we are going to fly. Well, before Billy Crystal, of course, who's acting that part, decides to get out and really enjoy life his son comes to him dad i like it's parents day and i want you to come to my class and i want you to tell my fellow students what it's like to be who you are to do what you get to do dad would you do that and sure enough he takes him up on it he appears before the boy's class the teacher introduces him and this is what he says
1: Well, like, uh, Danny said, I work for WBLM radio.
2: Are you a dish jockey?
1: No, I'm not a dish jockey. You know the commercials that are on the radio?
2: Oh, do you make all those commercials?
1: No. Other people make the commercials. I sell them time on our station for the commercials to be on.
2: So you decide which commercials to use and when.
1: That's right. Well, no, it's not right. It used to be right. Seems now that I even have to check with the station manager if I want to wipe my nose. (laughs) The minute he took away my authority, I should have quit.
2: Mr. Robbins.
1: What? Value this time in your life, kids. Because this is the time in your life when you still have your choices. And it goes by so fast. When you're a teenager, you think you can do anything, and you do. Your 20s are a blur. 30s, you raise your family, you make a little money, and you think to yourself, what happened to my 20s? 40s, you grow a little pot belly, you grow another chin. The music starts to get too loud. One of your old girlfriends from high school becomes a grandmother. 50s, you have a minor surgery. You'll call it a procedure, but it's a surgery. 60s, you'll have a major surgery. The music is still loud, but it doesn't matter because you can't hear it anyway. 70s, you and the wife retire to Fort Lauderdale. Start eating dinner at two o'clock in the afternoon. You have lunch around 10, breakfast the night before. Spend most of your time wandering around malls looking for the ultimate soft yogurt and muttering, how come the kids don't call? How come the kids don't call? The 80s, you'll have a major stroke. You end up babbling with some Jamaican nurse who your wife can't stand but who you call mama. Any questions?
0: That's a that's that pretty well describes culture, don't you think? Sure. I mean, by the time you think, buddy, I just touched that base. I've got it covered. We're finally getting to the place where we're going to be able to enjoy the life. Well, guess what? The life you thought you were going to enjoy seems to escape you. The only thing that does not move, that does not wiggle, that will not shrink is the power of the Word of God. Build your life, build your family on that, my friend, and you'll understand what true joy and happiness is. You guys talk to me out there today. Well, some of the things that we have to do in order to stay focused on God, I call it toss toss the idols. Joshua steps to the plate because he and Moses think a lot alike. And so here's what he said. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshiped before the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. That means serve the Lord. What does serve the Lord mean? It means serve the Lord. It means really serve the Lord. I mean all day long you serve the Lord. How many of you know what it's like to serve someone else? Well, let me tell you, I hope more raise your hand, because Jesus said, hey, we're to be servants, amen, to serve people and not to be served. There's a research study I found called the Kelton Research Study. Here, here, here it is. Eighty percent of Americans knew, a number of years ago, knew this, two all-beef patties. How many remember that? Get up real high, you remember it. What did it say? Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, on a Do it again, everybody, one, two, three. Two all Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onion, sesame seed bun. That would represent a Big Mac. And who is the builder of the Big Mac? McDonald's. Wow. You see, 80% knew two of the patties that was a Big Mac, but 60% could identify that thou shalt not kill was one of the Ten Commandments. Now, how many of you, in deference to McDonald's, I want to be careful here because we have managers from all. <laughs> so what would it be? It takes two hands to handle A what? A Whopper and what organization would that be? Burger King. What about the one who said in a commercial where's the beef? Wendy's. Wendy's. And then finally the love of all eat more chicken Chick-fil-A. 80% new. the all beef patties Sixty percent could identify thou shalt not kill. Thirty-four percent, oh yeah, recognize the Sabbath. Is that one of the commandments? Well, I don't know. But thirty-four percent could. Twenty-nine percent said thou shalt not make false idols. What is the real point here? The real point is that culture can inflict us what they believe, their principles, and what's important, and they continue to drive their point home. You know where they got that principle? Right out of the Word of God. Because Moses said, if you want your children to understand who God is, do it when they sit down, when you lie down, when you're walking around, put it on the doorpost, put it in the, on the mount where you walk in, and he said, and drill it over and over and over again. So that they'll know the majority of children today who cannot answer the question, who built the ark? And so you say, what's going on? We're enjoying a lot of things that we have in favor, but we've not kept the priorities of what it means to be a christian family what is an idol it's anything that comes between you and your passion for god anything it can taste good look good smell good but if it gets between you and your passion for the lord do your family members know who the lord of your family is Do they understand who that is? Joshua knew, hey, don't hold on to those idols. Get rid of them. Separate yourself from them. And the reason that our world, our culture, i.e., is so unhappy, is so frustrated and anxious and frazzled, is, and people get on your last nerve. How many have had somebody get on your last nerve already today? May I see your hand? What does it take to get on your last nerve? We just came off a little journey we, they call vacation. You know how I feel about that? Coming out of Atlanta, headed up to the Highlands, air conditioning in the, in the car went out, roll the windows down, it's 101 degrees. 101 degrees, no air. Get there, can't get it fixed drive all the way back for all those hours with the hot it's like the devil breathing his breath on you running down the interstate every diesel fuel, every gas leak is all there and you got the windows down and you got clothes hanging up in the back and they are flapping in the wind you're thinking my God what in the world, this is getting on my last nerve we came to a stop sign Car's ahead of me. Car behind me beeps. Sharon said, I wonder why they're beeping. I thought I'm about to find out. No, Wayne. Last nerve, I'm thinking, God. Do I deserve all this? And you know what I think I heard him say? Don't ask the question, buddy. Your last nerve. You see, I just described the way that a lot of culture is. It creates stress, and when you're not on focus with God, the most miserable person in the world is a professing Christian who's not endeavoring to live the life, a professing family that says we're a Christian family, and they do nothing to precipitate the, the spiritual growth that's in that family. That's why I get this now. There are more people engaged in second marriages in our culture today than those that are engaged in first marriages. More in third marriages. So, what do you do? Well, your children look and say family. How many were raised in a nuclear family? May I see your hand? All right, nuclear family—that's mom, dad, mom, dad, sisters, brothers. And there you have it. But we know we have blended family. Nobody to identify it? blended family. That's when one or the other either die or they get a divorce, and you then then you have his, hers, and ours. And you bring all those different little personalities in. And, buddy, I want you to know it takes the grace of God to come through that. Not impossible, but it takes the grace of God. And then children, you see, God created the family to say, that's where I want children. (coughs) That's where I desire for their minds and their hearts and their spirits to be formed. But then, when you have to deal with all this other stuff, and we all do, and I want you to know hey, we love every person, divorced, not divorced, blended, whatever. We love you right here. But let me show you some of the chaos that takes place. Oh, 76 year old 76-year-old Bill Baker decided to wed Edna Harvey. Okay, what's his name? Bill Baker, won't you come home, Bill Baker? Won't you come home, Bill Baker? What's her name, Edna? (laughs) You know what, it's going to be a longer message than what I thought. (laughs) So she was Edna Harvey and Bill Baker. Bill Baker's 76. Edna's on up the line. Well, here it is. When Bill married Edna... Edna happened to be Bill's granddaughter. Her name's Lynn. Happened to be Bill's granddaughter, Lynn, her husband's mother. With me? Okay, you got Bill? He marries his granddaughter's husband's mother. Y'all follow me? I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm just painting reality to you. So here we go. She said, that created a long line of challenges for me. She says, and here's how it played out. She said, "Um, my mother-in-law is now my step-grandmother. And my grandfather is now my stepfather-in-law. And my mom is my sister-in-law. And my brother is my nephew. But even crazier than that, I'm married to my uncle, and my own children are my cousins. Y'all with me? So do you see how it's really, really hard to have smooth sailing when you have to deal with that? But God's grace is sufficient. Amen? God's grace is sufficient. So I recommend that you don't do what Lynn did. Don't even try to figure it out. Don't even try to figure it out. Just let it be and live your life in Jesus Christ to the best of your ability. So what does 1 Samuel say? Samuel said, hey, get rid of all those things. Get get between you and God. And understand that there's unhappiness out. Number two, don't straddle the fence. That's a tough place to be. Don't straddle the fence. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose you yourselves this day who you're going to serve. Make up your mind, child, and put on your coat and go get it. Serve God or not. That's really what he's saying. Don't dilly-dally around. Get out there. If you're going to say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, because here's what's going to happen. You were created to serve someone. In his book that's entitled, it's entitled Idols for Destruction, Herbert Slosberg made this statement. He said, Western society, that's us, in turning away from the Christian faith has turned to other things. This process is commonly known as secularization. The word connotes this, turning away from the worship of God while ignoring the fact that something is being turned to in its place. So he's saying, when the family, when the nation, when the person turn away from their focus on God, they're not just turning away from God, they're turning toward and will embrace something else. So he said, you're never going to escape the fact that you're going to serve somebody or something. It will become an idol to you. And you know what? Here's what the Word of God says. Hey, don't put anything else before the Lord God Almighty. Serve Him and serve Him alone. Always love Him with all of your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. And when you do, life will, under any circumstances, always be better when you put God first. Don't straddle the fence. Joshua says that God is secure and he gives us the choice. You know, you're going to love me whether you like it or not. Hello. I don't care what you say. You said I do and you're going to I do the rest of your born days. That's just the way it's going to be. Leslie Stahl, how many remember her, a news reporter? She went over to Afghanistan a number of years ago. And she noticed that one of the deals that women did is to walk about, I don't know, five, ten feet behind their husband. They're not allowed to walk with the male. Some of you men are smiling. I don't know what you're thinking. But it better not be what I think you're thinking. She went back 10 years later. She thought there had been some changes made in that particular culture to where the women had voiced out some of their opinions that they shouldn't have to to walk 5 or 10 feet behind the husband. And so she interviewed some more women, and she said, How is it? I thought culture had changed a little bit, that you ladies gained a little bit of ground. But I noticed that most of you are not only walking 5 or 10 feet, but you're walking 15 feet or more behind your husband. What's up with that? And some of the ladies, not ashamed to answer, said, here's why we walk even further behind our husbands now. Because there are landmines. And if he goes first... My life is much better, which means behind every man is a smart woman. Amen. (laughs) Stay away from the landmines. I'm suggesting to you that God has an order. And that order, if that order is followed correctly, that order will bring peace and prosperity. Individuals who say, hey, God gave me a choice, you get to follow Him. You choose you this day. There was an article a number of years ago in a newspaper called Bankruptcies Blamed on Easy Credit. We went through, remember, in uh, as we noticed in the late 80s, etc., 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 that there was a booming economy and yet 1.3 to 5 million people, families, declared bankruptcy. And the article said, quoted lawyers and credit counselors saying that the availability of easy credit... And the tendency to shirk responsibility from paying it back says it played a major role in many declaring bankruptcy. Hey, those individuals were asked why. They said, well, listen, it's not my fault that I had to declare bankruptcy. If I get into financial trouble, it's not my fault, it's because of easy credit. And the government needs to do something to protect me. To keep me from taking advantage of the easy credit. You see, that story was important to say, it's not my fault I took advantage of easy credit. I made the decision and they gave me the money. So if I don't pay it back, it's not my fault. But you know what? You can't blame anyone else other than the person you see in the mirror. If you have chosen not to be 100% committed to Jesus Christ and your relationship with Him. Two sisters born twins to mom who is an alcoholic. One of the sisters, of course, became an alcoholic. The other sister absolutely abstained from any kind of drink. The question was asked the same question to both. One asked the alcoholic sister, Hey, Hey, What caused you to become an alcoholic? She said, well, my mother was an alcoholic, so what else can you expect? That was her answer. They asked the other sister who had abstained from any alcohol whatsoever. Said, what caused you to abstain? She said, well, my mother was an alcoholic, so what can you expect? One saw the perspective of weakness that says, I'll follow in my mother's footprints. She's an alcoholic. She's the reason I become an alcoholic. The other one looked and said, my mother was an alcoholic, and I don't want to live the kind of life she's lived, so I'm not drinking a sip of anything. And you know what? God has gifted us with the responsibility To say, you get to choose. You get to choose the vibrancy of what it means to say, my family loves God. You get to choose the value of saying no to some things that you know that would rob you of that spiritual growth. Trying to straddle the fence often will cause you not to have a constant priority. Straddling that fence will cause you to live in crisis and no peace. You'll only have a portion of God's best straddling that fence. And you know what else? Just go ahead and judge it. Go home and talk to your kids. Ask your grandkids just some simple Bible questions and see if they can answer. If they can't, somebody today needs to start teaching them those little Bible stories that become rock and stalwarts of strength to them later in their life. So Joshua 24, 13, So I gave you a land on which you did not toil, cities that you didn't build, and you live in them and you eat from the vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. What is he saying? That when you came to the promised land, God gifted you with a land that you were not responsible for. And you know what He said, Don't blow it. Because often we don't value what we did not earn. And God said, I've given you salvation. I give you favor. I give you protection. I've given you babies. I've given you life. And I told you from the very beginning, don't avoid teaching your children. Don't avoid honoring God in your family, making it a priority. If you do, that which is good that was gifted to you will turn to bad. You see, we have to plant good seeds if we're going to get a harvest. Have you ever noticed that? But if you want not to have a harvest, you don't have to plant anything. You still will reap it. Because have you ever noticed? I've never planted a weed in my life. But somehow or another, they seem to grow. You see... We have the great opportunity today not to straddle the fence, but finally to passionately serve God. As for me and my household, we'll serve God. What's that look like to you? We're going to serve God. Amen. You see, I didn't give my kids a choice whether or not we were going to church. You said, Well, Pastor, it's a different day. It sure is. You think today's better than the day that my kids were raised? Nope. My mother's here today. You've heard the story. I faked a fever one time in front of the 30,000 BTU heater. Burnt my face up to a fairly well. Went to her, Mom, I can't make it. I'm burning up with a fever. Sunday night, she said, No, son, we take you right to pastor. He'll anoint you with oil, and you'll be healed of that fever. It'll be gone. As you can tell, I never have gotten over that. <laughs> you see, there are priorities that we all have. When illustration is 10% today in today's market and culture in the church, 10% of church members can't be found. It's kind of like your high school graduation. People try to track you down. You get letters from your high school, whoever, whoever the advanced team, hey, have you heard of this one and this And We can't seem to find them. 10% of church members after they join, you can't be found. 20% of church members, they never attend church once they join. 25% admit that they never really pray. Thirty-five percent admit they don't read their Bible; they don't even know where it's at. Forty percent admit they never contribute to the church in tithe or offering. Well, but does my church, sixty percent never give anything to missions. Seventy percent never assume any responsibility within the church. Eighty-five percent never invite any never invite anyone to church. Ninety-five percent they've never won anyone to Christ, but one hundred percent all want to go to heaven we have a major and a sergeant in the military here am I correct with that they don't get to make up their own rules they don't get to say their commanding officer you know what I don't think I want to do that today I've got a little crick in my back that needs some attention. Have you ever met a compassionate commanding officer, either of you? Oh, no. And what I'm trying to tell you, if the military were to waffle and flex and not pay attention to what tradition has taught them, Then what's going to happen is we're going to turn out flimsy individuals in the military that when they face the fire of battle, they're not going to know how to stay true to the core of what they were taught. And in the family today, don't expect the family to be strong nor the church strong without strong families. It will not happen by accident. It has to happen because we set priorities down. We follow through those priorities and we say, listen, everybody, we want you to know God is first in our household and everything else will flow through the screen of what it means. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. A man came home from work. He came from work. He noticed his kids out in the yard playing around. They're in the dirt. They're still in their pajamas. The dog's out running around. thought, what in the world's going on. Went into the house. All kind of closed, strewn. In the family room area, walked to the kitchen bowls with milk Turned over, floor's wet, dirt on the floor, dishes in the sink hasn't been touched. He's beginning to get really concerned about what in the world, what's going on with my wife? Is she okay? He started upstairs toward their bedroom, stepping over toys, stepping over clothes, stepping over chocolate pudding that's poured out on the staircase, making his way up. Finally rounded the corner, not having any idea what he's going to see. And when he rounded the corner, he looked, and there his wife lay with her pajamas on, reading a book. Wow. She looked up at him, and she said, Honey, how did your day go? He looked at her in bewilderment and said, okay, but what in the world happened here today? What's going on? She said, you know, every day when you come in, every day, you ask me what I did today. He said, yes, I do. She answered back, well, today I didn't do it. There'll come a day (laughs) when God will say to all of us, what did you do with the gift and the treasure that I gave you? What did you do with the privilege and all the favor that I gave you? What went on when you seemed to turn your back away from me? And then when in trouble, you turn back, pleading your case. Because the Bible says that one day, he's calling all of us into account. And I can tell you, there's nothing more important in your life than the relationship that you have with children, grandchildren, and one another. And when you serve one another, and you put God first in the priority of your life and your family, God will be praised, and an anointing of God's favor yes. will pour out on you Amen. if you trust him. Amen? If you believe that and you receive that, put your hands together, and let's give the Lord a clap offering. Of shall we? Would you stand? Heavenly Father, I thank you today for all that you've done for us. I thank you for Victory Church and All these wonderful families. And on this day, a few minutes ago, dedicating four beautiful, beautiful, beautiful children of the Lord. Two boys and two girls. And and they're wonderful families, God. So it's a perfect moment for us to express what it means to be family. And God, we should never, never, never stop trying to have a peaceful, powerful family that's in love with you. That we should never quit trying, no matter how many How many things the enemy might throw at us that upset the apple cart? We still maintain stamina. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I pray that you would minister to every need. I know the stresses of single parents today. I've sat with blended families. I've sat with nuclear families. God, all of those, here's what I know, that we all take some kind of a responsibility to be able to answer the question and make the statement, God, we're going to serve you. We may have to say no to some things that might try to steal our passion or steal our time or that might make it easier rather that we don't have to sacrifice. But anything of value is always worth sacrificing for. I pray, God, bring family devotions back to all of our families. Bring back the Bible reading to our families. Bring back a desire to praise you and worship you to our families. Bring back a desire for families to be in church on the Lord's day. God, in your name, bring back the passion and desire to win lost people. I pray in your name that you would bless us. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and maybe you're in this room right now and your heart's not right with Jesus, you come to the realization that you have stepped away and Little did you realize you've turned to something else and usually it's self-interest, selfishness. Usually it's you invoking your own desire or decision on God as opposed to listening to what he desires. Father, I pray today that you would forgive us. So just in case there are those that need that prayer forgiveness, I'm going to ask everyone in the house to repeat this prayer. Would you do that? In your heart of hearts, all of us, let's do it together. Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you for Jesus Lord, Christ. Jesus, Lord Jesus, I thank, you for dying I thank you for dying for my sins. I, you my sins. I ask you for forgiveness. You for forgiveness. Come, for forgiveness. Into Come into my heart. Come into my life. Into my life. I desire to follow you. you. As for me and my life, life, I will follow you you all the days of my life. So here I am, Lord. Use me as you choose. choose. In Jesus' name, name. amen. Amen. Don't you believe God answered prayer? If you have a need this morning, you prayed that prayer, and you said, God, I prayed that prayer, and I sure do need to turn back toward the Lord. Or maybe there's someone in your family that they are as rebellious as they can be. They're as mean and nasty. Oh, my Lord. Oh, they know the way. But they're just not following it. And maybe in your heart of hearts, you just say, you know, in my heart, I'm going to bring them down today. Or you're sick in your body. Is any sick or afflicted? Call on the elders of the church, James 5, 14. Said, hey, take the oil, anoint them. And when you do that, God said, I'll show up and I'll answer. Amen. So here's what you get to do. You get to choose whether or not you personally are going to be obedient to what God is doing in your heart right now. So as we sing, we'll wait a few minutes for you to respond as God directs you. Would you do that? Here we go.
2: You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve
0: it. Come on, sing with us, everybody. You are,
2: worthy. you are worthy
0: of it all. Come on now, friend. You
2: are worthy of it all.
0: Thank you, Jesus. some of you leaders, a couple of you come down and help us, please.
2: You are worthy of
0: it all. all. Thank you, Lord. You are worthy of of it all. That's just those of you in the altar you just stay and pray someone not with you they'll be with you in a moment Heavenly Father I thank you for your word today it certainly will not go void because it is live and it is powerful and it is effective when it meshes into the heart and the conscience of men and women it begins to stir an ingredient called conviction and conviction is the love of God initiated by the Holy Spirit identifying something in my life God says, I need to help you with, I need to fix. I pray that you would let that conviction rest upon all of us. I pray throughout the afternoon, would you continue to speak to us through the voice of your word. I pray in the name of the Lord, you would do in Jesus' name a supernatural act in the life of every person here. And God, then I pray that you'll give a great afternoon and bring us back tonight. And we'll give you praise and honor in Christ's name, amen. Friend, don't forget to come tonight. Baptism, take a look, it'll give you direction. And then don't forget the Latin dinner, we still have tickets left. Make yourself available to that, would you do that? It'll really be a blessing.